0: Well, good morning again. About six years ago, the elders of Grace Covenant Church thought it would be a good idea to start working through the book of Psalms. And within six years, we have, as a body of Christ here locally, worked all the way Through 52 psalms together. And so, with my last sermon, my last opportunity to bring the word of the Lord to you, I struggled with where do I go and what do I do to bring you the word one last time? And I thought it would be appropriate to end where we began, to go all the way back to Psalm 1. So if you would open your Bibles to the first psalm, I'd greatly appreciate it. Psalm 1 is the introductory psalm to the rest of the Psalter. Now that's obvious because it's the first one. But when you look at it, how have you considered Psalm 1? You see, Psalm 1 is the hermeneutical tool to understand the rest of the Psalms. This book of the Bible that undoubtedly has been near and dear to your heart. And throughout church history, it's been near and dear to everyone's heart. If you go back and you look at the, the early church fathers, Athanasius said that the Psalms were like a delightful garden where you could go and pick choice fruit for your soul. We can go to John Calvin who used to say, used to say, he's dead now, uh, it's been a while, um, used to say that the Psalter was the anatomy of the soul. And then one of my favorites, Martin Luther, had said that the Psalms are like a tiny Bible within the Bible. So Psalm 1 actually gives us incredible help and guidance into how we look at the rest of the Psalter. And this morning, Psalm 1 is going to present for us two ways, the blessed way and the wicked way. And so this morning, as we come together one last time to preach the word of God and for you to hear it, I hope you listen to the two ways of Psalm 1. Let's read the word of the Lord. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Hear the word of God this morning. Now, as we jump into Psalm 1, we begin with this idea of blessedness. And friends, in the seven years that I've been in Texas, I've heard this phrase, oh, bless your heart. (laughs) Or you must be blessed. And typically when we think of, oh, bless your heart, someone has said something silly and they're saying, now, now. Uh, Or, you know, when you've heard somebody say, you must be blessed, it's typically because you have good health. Or it's typically because you make a good amount of money. Or you might have all the desires of your heart. But is this what the Psalter, remember, the first psalm that's laying the groundwork for how we interpret all the other psalms for the people of God, is that what it's telling us here? Well, I'd say partially yes. If you look at the Hebrew, the word blessed in Hebrew means someone who is enjoying something, is happy, is highly favored. But is that all that is encompassed in this word blessed? Now here within this pulpit, we have said this a lot. We like for scripture to interpret scripture. And I think one of the best places we see this idea of blessedness be unpacked would be in Matthew chapter 5, going to the New Testament to help us understand the Old Okay, Pastor Joel has preached through this, and I would highly recommend you going back and listening to his exposition of Matthew 5. But we go into Matthew 5 because we want to hear what Jesus has to say about the blessed man or the blessed way. And here's what Christ says, and he opened his mouth and taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward and is great in heaven. And for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is blessedness Not the blessedness of, oh, bless your heart, and you must be so blessed. No, yes, there are good things that are happening to those who are blessed, but at the same time, we must see this as the blessed way or a way of living. There will be mourning. There will be persecution. There will be reviling because you are a part of this blessed way. Now, the psalmist goes into it, and he says right from the beginning, blessed is the man, and then he describes in such wisdom fashion of explaining to us what something is by telling us what it isn't, is how he begins. And he tells us, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. So clearly what we see in this beginning with the verbs walking, standing, and sitting is certainly showing us a progression of the integration into the wicked. We see how this integration into wickedness happens so subtly over time, but it certainly happens. But I want you this morning to pay careful attention to how it starts. How does this start, or what is the entryway into being associated with the wicked? Well, the word of God says it starts with associating with the counsel of the wicked. Now, you might immediately scoff this morning and say, well, that's not me. I'm not like those wicked people out there. But what I want you to see this morning is what the psalm does to contrast the counsel of the wicked with the law of the Lord or the word of God. So if you are taking counsel this morning and guidance in your life, because that's what counsel is, right? It's guidance, it's wisdom, it's helping someone understand what they should do and what situation. So this morning, if you are taking counsel and guidance and anything besides the inspired word of God, friends, hear me clearly, you are in danger of walking with the wicked. This, friends, is a blessed do not. This is so helpful. Are you taking everything captive to the word of God? Now, now let's jump into this for a second. Let me ask you another question. Maybe one that will relate to you a little more. What moves you? Like when you hear something or when you read something, what actually propels you to do something? What actually makes you want to change? Is it reading the word of God? Is it listening to a sermon? Is it being around other believers in fellowship and having them speak into your life and encourage and sometimes even rebuke you? Or is it following your favorite news pundit? Or maybe your political party leader who continually promises you that everything will get better and then it doesn't. Maybe it's your, maybe you're not a politics person, maybe it's your favorite workout guru. Eat these things, lift this way, and you'll be awesome. Or, more recently, maybe it's one of those influencers online, and you can laugh until you realize that there are conservative influencers buying for your attention. They want it, they want to take it, they want to convince you. And you're like, yeah, these guys are right, right? They're saying all these things and I can nod my head with it. And they try to talk to you like they have the authority of God, but they're not using the Word of God. Friends, that's not meditating on the law of the Lord. That's actually taking counsel from the wicked. (gasps) How dare you talk about my favorite Facebook person or Instagram person. Friends, be careful. Is it the Word of God? If it's not, realize that this can be leading you so subtly into the counsel of the wicked. God isn't saying, be a good person, vote the right way to get to heaven. That's not what he says. We'll get to that later. We see that this progression moves from simply taking someone's advice to associating with them, standing in the way. It's not standing in their way, it's standing with them in the way, to completely championing their cause. You've literally sat on the seat with them and you are scoffing at other people who aren't thinking, acting like you. This psalm opens up this book with this being one of the most essential ideas of the entire Psalter. Who are you taking counsel from? Now, I preached this psalm about six years ago. I'm not using the same notes, I promise. But I can almost guarantee that I read this quote six years ago. Charles Spurgeon, commenting on this verse, said this, when men are living in sin, they go from bad to worse. At first, they merely walk in the counsel of the careless and ungodly who forget God. Their evil is practical rather than habitual. But after that, They become habituated to evil, and they stand in the way of open sinners who willfully violate God's commandment, and if let alone, they go one step further and become themselves pestilent teachers and tempters of others, and thus they sit in the seat of the scornful. They have taken their degree in vice, and as true doctors of damnation, they are installed. We see the blessed do-nots. Friends, be mindful of what you take in and allow to sway your heart and move you. But we get in verse two, this idea of the delightful word of God. And in fact, this idea of delightful meditation we finally get what is the positive of this blessed way or this blessed man and what does it tell us the blessed man delights in the law of the lord Well, what is a delight maybe you're thinking of i think it's edward right in the chronicles of narnia as he's devouring those turkish delights those little things that taste so yummy, but then they dissipate after a while, those sweet snacks. No, I don't think that's what the word is talking about here specifically. But delight is something that brings you great pleasure. So in this blessed way, this blessed man, the thing that brings great pleasure is what the Hebrew calls the Torah, This is the word that means God's law or instruction. Specifically, it's referencing the Pentateuch, which are the first five books of your Old Testament. This is the law. And this blessed man gets all of his delight from the law or instruction of God. Friends, let me ask you an obvious question. Does the word of God bring you delight? Well, let's see why this law is so delightful. Let's let's think about this for a minute. Uh, You can turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 19. We've heard this Psalm up here before as well. I'm gonna start in verse seven as David is describing the law of God. This is what he says. The law of the Lord is. Is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure. Friends, do you hear the beauty of the law of the Lord? Did you read in Psalm 19, did you hear that it revives your soul? It is the only thing that can bring your soul back to its original intention, which is by hearing the gospel that you would have a relationship with God. It is only through the word of God that that can happen. This testimony is sure. It makes wise, simple people like me and you. All the precepts of God's word are right and they actually make your heart blessed. It helps your heart rejoice and be happy. The commandments of the Lord are pure. They they literally drop the scales off your eyes so you can see the truth because they are righteous and they are to be desired more than all the money in your bank account these words of god maybe you're not convinced let's go to that weeping prophet jeremiah a friend of mine brought up this verse not too long ago a couple of weeks ago and we talked about it and it was a it was a helpful reminder jeremiah 15:16 jeremiah 15:16 tells us your words were found and i ate them And your words became to me a joy, and listen, and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. Friends, the word of God, the psalmist is telling us, is a delight. We can literally intake it. Don't actually eat your Bibles this morning. That's not what it's telling you to do. But what it's telling you to do is to intake the word of God by reading it, listening to it, taking your counsel from it, and then your heart will have such delight. This is the delightful word of God. See, the blessed man sees the beauty of the word. He finds great pleasure in the laws of the Lord and then he acts on them. It's not just enough to have an intellectual assent to saying, yeah, okay, that's a cool idea. No, then you actually have to put them into action and that's what we see about this blessed man. What does he do when he delights in the law of the Lord? Well, he meditates on it day And night. Now you've heard me say this a time or two, but meditation can sound bad in a biblical church because immediately think, we immediately think of this eastern religious experience where we are to empty our mind of all distractions so that we can find inner peace. Kind of like a Luke Skywalker training montage with Yoda right? This is what we think of, clearing your mind, or maybe you're not old school enough. So you're thinking of Ahsoka and Anakin. And for older people, they're like, what are you talking about? It's wonderful if you can watch it. Anyways, um, but this is not how the Bible describes and prescribes meditation to the blessed people of God. No, meditation, rather, if you're taking notes, is really simple. It's seriously considering the word of God. It's so cool to study the Hebrew and see what these words, when you translate them literally what they say. The Hebrew word for meditate literally means to mutter or growl. That's kind of cool, right? As you're thinking of it, maybe you're like, what are you talking about? Growling the word of God? No, 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 no. Think about it. Uh, have you ever tried to memorize scripture? I hope you have. It's a good spiritual discipline. Uh, I'm not the best at it, but when I'm trying to memorize scripture, I'm saying it over and over again. And if you were to walk by my office or by my room or just see me walking around, I'm like, "Okay, blessed is the man who what was it again? Oh yeah, walks on the counsel of the wicked." And I'm I'm talking it over and over again. And if you were at MLP our men's leadership program last month, you would see that I didn't do it so well as I stuttered and muttered my way through it. But what we're trying or what the the word here is trying to help us understand is that These words of God are constantly on our lips. We're considering them. We're talking about them. We're thinking about them seriously and hard. We're not just checking a box of Bible meditation or Bible reading and then doing the important stuff of the day. No, your important stuff of the day is thinking about the word of God and then acting on it. Now, I don't want you to confuse memorization and meditation. I don't want you to think that those two are the same thing because meditation is like a crock pot. We are to let that crock pot work all day to get all the juices out of it. I don't know how to use them, but Courtney does and praise be to God. But what comes out of that crock pot is typically delicious and tender right? Like it's yummy food. You want to eat it and you can taste all the things that we're cooking in it. People in Texas, you guys do something called smoking your meat, right? And that's another way of letting it just simmer and whatever. I don't really know what happens there, but it's yummy and I like to eat it too. And I'm assuming it's the same type of thing. It's this slow cooking. So all the juices and tastes come out of it. That is what meditation is, It's asking questions of the verse you're studying and seeking to apply it, pray it, and yes, memorize it, but it's much more than just memorization. One commentator I think is so helpful when he talked about meditation. This is what he says, so to meditate on God's law means to read God's word and reflect and act on its meaning. So as we read, we should ask ourselves, what is God saying here about himself and what he has done for us and what is God saying about us and what he requires of us are we living in accordance with God's teachings are we living for ourselves or are we living for God that's meditation friends That's applying the word of God to your heart, to your mind, and to actions. Actually walking it out. This is the blessed way. But not only that, the blessed way is described like a tree. This idea of something sturdy and strong. He, the blessed man, is like a tree planted by streams of water. This gets delicious, guys. This is, this is the crock pot happening, okay? When you think of the word planted, did the tree plant itself? The answer's no. A tree doesn't plant itself. And in fact, when you look at the Hebrew word for this idea of planted, I didn't check with Ted on this. Sorry, Ted, but I'm sure he'll be okay with it later. But this Hebrew word for planted literally means to take out of soil and move to a different soil. That's crazy. It it is somebody taking it out of one soil and planting it into another. This, friends, is God's sovereignty. We've already seen Yahweh's name be invoked in verse two. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. This is God's covenantal name. He is like a tree, the blessed man, planted by whom, yes, by God and God not only plants this sturdy tree but he plants it by streams of water he does so so that this tree will be sustained this tree will get growth and this tree will allow fruit to be yielded and will not wither and will prosper But as we look at verse 3, I want to do the same thing we did earlier. I want to use scripture to interpret scripture. Because we can still be kind of scratching our head and saying, how how does this help us understand the blessed way? Let's go back to that crying prophet, Jeremiah. Jeremiah 17, verses 5 through 8, gives us a more unpacking of this Um, analogy, or not analogy, but this description that David is using in Psalm 1, Jeremiah unpacks this same idea for us. Thus says the Lord. So the Lord is saying this through Jeremiah. Cursed is the man who trusts in man. Now that sounds interesting. That almost sounds like what we read in the very beginning of Psalm 1. Do not take counsel from the wicked. Cursed is the man who trusts in man. If you are trusting in man over God, you are taking the counsel of man instead of God. Let's keep going. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness and in an inhabited salt land. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when the heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit friends being like a tree is someone who trusts in the lord you see the blessed man not only doesn't take counsel from the wicked not only delights in the law of the lord but he actually trusts in god that is his trust that's what makes us like a tree, not our good works, not as Joel has said, fruit stapling, trying to act like a, like a healthy tree, but you realize that this fruit didn't actually grow off the tree, you're pretending. No, we see that someone who has been planted by God will become a sturdy fruit producing tree of God. Because he trusts in God as he meditates in the law of God and as he refuses to take counsel from others who don't care about it. That is the blessed way. That is the blessed man. Oh, bless your heart. I hope you hear it this morning. This is the blessed way. It's not your influencer online. It's not the really cool book that Arnold Schwarzenegger just came out with that teaches you to be a better person. That's not what it's about. It is about the law of the Lord, God's word. Okay, the blessed way, verses one through three. The wicked way, verse four. What is a wicked man? I'm sure all of us can answer that question in our head. Oh, I know a wicked man. Yeah, I could tell you about that other guy. Well, a wicked man quite literally, is a criminal who is guilty of breaking the law of God. That's what the Hebrew word means. And if you are a slightest bit like a detective, you could read the words that go along with wicked, sinners, scoffers, and start to realize, okay, I get the picture. The wicked person is a sinner but if you go within the context of this we see that the wicked is also someone described as a person who does not delight in the law of the Lord but delights in himself or the counsel of men that's what Jeremiah told us that's what we see about those who walk in the counsel of the wicked he would rather take counsel from people who are like himself People who online just give him thumbs up or share his posts rather than what the Word of God actually says. And then how does the Word of God describe the wicked? Well, they're opposite of a sturdy tree planted next to streams of water by the Lord. In fact, they are blown away like chaff. Friends, please do not neglect this dramatic picture of the difference between the wicked and the blessed. Remember, this is the first psalm. It is setting the stage for all the other psalms. And what it is trying to show you in dramatic fashion is that if you are wicked, you are like chaff, which is useless. So remember these two ways. The psalmist is painting the clearest wisdom You can find with the word of God right here, chaff is what comes off of wheat as it is beaten and threshed so that the edible wheat would fall and be separated from the useless chaff. So what way are you on? Are you on the way of the blessed man or are you on the way of chaff? Verses 5 and 6 are going to give us the consequences of both ways. The psalm concludes so that we can see what is the outcome of the blessed way and what is the outcome of the wicked way. So let's begin with the wicked. The psalmist ends with what will happen in the end of time. This is eschatological, or a fancy way of just saying when it all comes to pass or like I say, when it's a wrap, when it's done. This is what the wicked will have. When they see the end of time coming to pass, the wicked, the guilty sinners, who have not delighted in the word of God, will not stand in the judgment. The Old Testament calls this the day of the Lord. This is when God's righteous indignation and wrath and anger are righteously, meaning rightly, poured out onto wicked people who have broken the law of the Lord. Friends, the wicked won't stand in that day. Friends, if you are in here outside of Christ, you won't stand in that day. You'll certainly kneel and you'll certainly confess But it will be too late, and you will receive your just punishment. Not only will they not stand in the judgment, but they will not be in the congregation of the righteous. This is kind of a dumb moment, but it helps us understand the eternal perspective of those walking on the wicked path. See, we have these two categories of the church militant and the church triumphant. The church militant is what you and I are doing right now. If you are in Christ, we are about the mission of God. We are out there trying to make disciples of all nations. But the church triumphant is when it's a wrap or when you die and you go to be with all of the believers throughout all of time and you are with Christ. That is the triumphant church. And what we're seeing here is that the wicked will not join that triumphant church. They might be kidding themselves by being in this church, acting like they are believers, but in the end, they will not be a part of that congregation. And finally, and as I've been basically saying over and over again, but this is pointing to the fact that the wicked will perish. And not just at one time perishing. This will be eternal they will feel the wrath of God for eternity. The chaff will be removed from the wheat and will be thrown into the fire where it stays for eternity. Note how this psalm begins and how this psalm ends. The first word is blessed, but it ends with the word perish. The two ways, the wicked will not be blessed, but will perish. Friends, hear me. If you have not gathered this already, there are only two ways the blessed way or the wicked take note this morning take note of which way you are in so let me describe the end for the blessed this psalm tells us that the lord again all caps it's this covenantal understanding of god this god condescending to his creation and loving them this psalm tells us that the lord knows the way of the righteous. Friends, pause for a moment. Can you think of a more intimate blessing that any created creature could ever have than the almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing God of the universe knows those whom he has planted. Whatever your struggle is now, Whatever it may be, if it's cancer, if it's the hard marriage, if it's the sin that you've been continually struggling with and trying to put aside, whatever it may be, if you are God's, you are known. It seems so simple, but it should radically change your life, being known by the creator God of the universe. This God knows whom he has planted. Those who trust and delight in the word can be assured that the Lord knows them. Think of that assurance. Now, in conclusion, I think I've hammered home the clearly laid out two ways, two paths, right? The wisdom literature that the Psalter is picking up on and laying a foundation for the rest of the Psalms. Are you Walking in the way of the wise, as Proverbs would say, or are you a fool? Are you in the blessed way? Are you a blessed man, or are you in the wicked way? Are you a wicked man? Some of you this morning probably walked in here believing that you were blessed, but may have realized that your delight was more in yourself and not in the Lord, not in his revealed word. And as you continue to listen, you realize that your life was not really compared to that sturdy tree, but more like something that's blown this way and that like chaff. And then maybe, and this would be a blessing, that you are finally coming to grips, that you are actually not on the blessed way, but you're one of the wicked. It started innocently enough while you were just listening to what other people said online or in your friend group or at work and and how they talked. And and then you thought, well, that sounds right. I want to be like these guys. I want to fit in with these people. I want to take their counsel. It seems cool. I'll be blessed on this earth. I won't have to give up things like that Christian life keeps talking about. But as you started walking with these other sinners, it progressed to where you championed it with the other sinners. That sin, which is definitively defined as doing what is not in the Word of God, taking counsel from anything besides the Word of God, this sin condemns you and keeps you from joining the congregation of the righteous. In fact, it seems that you're destined to another way. The way of judgment, the way in which you perish. Friends, there is another way. And I'm gonna kind of cheat here. I said I was preaching Psalm 1, but I'm actually gonna jump into Psalm 2. Joel actually preached Psalm 2 the first time. I didn't get to preach it, so this is just my way of trying to get into Psalm 2. But Psalm 2 is going to help you understand the way. It's gonna give you very clearly what the way is. So starting in verse 6, this is God talking In fact, we'll start in verse 5. Then he will speak to them in his wrath, he being God, and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nation your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession you shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel now therefore o kings be wise be warned o rulers of the earth serve the lord with fear and rejoice with trembling kiss the sun lest he the sun be angry and you perish in what in the way for his wrath is quickly kindled blessed are all who take refuge in him. Did you see how Psalm 1 and 2 are connected? Psalm 1 begins with the blessed man and then ends with those who are blessed. So what are the blessed supposed to do? The blessed are supposed to take refuge in him. Well, who is him? Who is him? I saw Dennis just mouth it with his lips. Him is the son. Who is is the Son. The Son is the begotten one that God begot from all of eternity. That He would give His heritage. He would give all things to Him, all authority, like Christ says before He ascends into heaven. All authority has been given to me, Jesus says. But we see that God has placed His Son, His begotten Son, the one that we should kiss on the throne of Zion, his holy hill. Oh, friends, it's clear. It's clear in the Psalms. In the Old Testament, we see the begotten one. John chapter 1 talks about Christ being begotten. It's the same person. David is pointing forward. If you are sitting here in turmoil of what am I to do, friends, Look to the sun. He is the perfect blessed man. He never took counsel from the wicked. He always delighted in the law of God and he meditated on it day and night. His leaf never withered and all that he has done, he has prospered even in death and conquering it. In fact, John 14.6, this is familiar. Some of you probably haven't memorized. You've probably growled it and muttered it. John 14.6 says, He is the way. Or Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You want to be on the blessed path? I want you to too. This morning you may be forgiven for being a wicked person who is delighted not in the law of the Lord but in the counsel of men. If you confess your sin and put your trust, your delight, your refuge in Christ Jesus, the true blessed man who came and lived the perfect life that you could never live. He was put upon a cross taking the wrath of, the, of God for the sin that you committed and was killed and took your punishment that you deserved. And then he was raised from the dead, conquering sin and death and ascended to the right hand of God where he sits on his holy hill in Zion. Friends, there are only two ways And there's only one way into the blessed way, and that is in Christ Jesus. That union with Christ, friends, that we saw in the water earlier, that we are unified with Christ in his death to our sin, and we are unified in our resurrecting to new life. You can have that if you put your faith in Jesus Christ alone. Now friends, some of you may have come in this morning and you are believers and you've been burdened. Oh man, I don't delight in the word of God like I should. What do I do? And and maybe you have felt like, oh, there's these list of to-dos that I must get in order uh, for me to be a really good Christian. Friends, I would say the exact same advice. Look to the sun. You're never going to be perfect. You are never going to delight in the law of the Lord as much as Christ did, but he has done it for you. Place your trust in him and see how as you are this planted tree by the water of the word, how it nourishes you into a mighty oak who has their faith in Christ. Friends, I love you. And the last thing I want to tell you from this pulpit is that the wicked delight in their own counsel, but the blessed man delights in the word of God because he has been planted by God and he is known by God. Let's pray. Oh, Father, you are too kind to us to give us the way. As we stumble in our own wickedness thinking we know the right thing to do, Father, I pray that this morning you will call people out of that dark stumbling, wicked path of their own advice, following their own heart, and that they would take the counsel from the Word of God by putting their faith in the one true Son that they may have eternal life. God, would you do that this morning, I pray. I pray that you would bless the believers here that they would realize the importance of the word of God, the inspired word of God that they hold in their hand or in the palm of their hand in their phone as they look at it day in and day out. Lord, would you remind them of the delightful word of God? And would they seek counsel from that rather than the word of men? And we pray this in Christ's precious name, amen.